Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, we're speaking again with Meg Ellis. This is part two of a two-part series. Meg is a fitness professional and life coach with Phoenix 8 Consulting here in Houston. We're talking about how to get what you want. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan. And this week is going to be part two of a conversation from last week with Meg Ellis, who is an amazing friend of mine, also a life coach with Phoenix 8 Consulting in Houston. Uh, She's also a fitness instructor and many other things. So if you listen to part one, which I encourage you to do, we were talking all about some incredible things about the how exercise and life kind of blend together. And we talked about resistance, trust, and fear. But there were a couple more topics we wanted to get to. So hi, Meg. Welcome back. Hi. I'm so excited to be back. Last week was so fun. Yeah, it's so good to have you here. We could talk forever. But one of the things that we really, Meg and I were talking, and we wanted to talk about this idea of how to get what you want. Because I've mentioned that in several podcasts, and Meg has this great saying, like, if you live life with intention, you will get what you want. And people don't always understand that. So can can you can you unravel that a little bit? Because mm-hmm. people will tell me all the time, wait a second, I don't get what I want. Like but it's deeper than that, right? It's deeper, yes. Yeah. I mean, how do you get what you want? Who doesn't want to know that? You know, of course I want to get what I want. Um, there's a little caveat on the end of that, and we'll kind of work backwards, but um, one of the things, one of the mantras that I like to live life by, and I encourage my you know coaching clients, is you you say, "I'm going to get what I want, or something better." Hmm. It leaves that open ended room because I'm assuming by the time you've made the decision to get what you want, and by the time you get it, you've changed a little bit. So your dream, your goal, also may have changed a little bit. You might actually get something better. Yeah. So when sometimes I think I know what I want and then it doesn't turn out the way I wanted, uh, but something else happened. So mm-hmm. I, I love this idea that it's not the end of the story. It's not the end. Uh, yes. Right. I love that. It's not the end of the story. I, I sometimes, you know, maybe I had a, let me make up a scenario. I had a race and I wanted to do it in X time and it didn't happen because I had a flat tire. Or I hurt my leg. Well, I didn't get what I thought I wanted, but I got something better, which was a ton of lessons about my resilience and and I relationships. Maybe I met somebody really nice who helped me. Who knows? We don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the story. So right. what, what we think we want isn't always the whole picture. Right. And you have to be open to wanting something better. You know, I am open I am open to getting something better than what I want. And that's mm-hmm. a big question mark. <laughs> so you have to be okay with that. Yeah. So how does this so Meg's a life coach, and so I do coaching too. And it, it's something that many people don't understand. Like, what is what is a coaching relationship like? And so, how you know, if you're sitting, you're listening to this and thinking, maybe you know, we come to coaching usually because there's something that we want to change. Well, always we mm-hmm. want to change something. So, how does this work? Like, how how do we figure out what we want, and how do we get what we want? Well. And it can be anything, you know, I'm going to ask you, what do you want? And the first thing that comes to mind, um, you know, use that as your little scenario here. And oftentimes we're just so focused on how we're going to get what we want. How, how, how. Um, 
it goes back to kind of forcing things that we were talking about last week, but how am I going to get what I want? How am I going to do this? I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And your mind automatically goes to all the things that you have to do. Mm -hmm. All the shoulds. All the shoulds. Or, I mean, it's overwhelming because your mind automatically jumps into the future and it's like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And it's like a lot of pressure, you know, to get what you want. And, you know, you chase it. Sometimes you get it. It wasn't what you thought it was and it didn't work out, whatever it is, maybe. But um, one thing I, I work with my clients with a lot is backing it up and don't just push start once you say, this is what I want. Okay. If, cause there's a couple key things you need to do before going after, um, getting what you want or it's not going to work, mm. you know, in the what first, those? Th- yeah. Yes. I mean, you could spend all that time and energy and emotional, you know, roller coasterness chasing what you want, but, um, let's talk about, is it going to work? So let's back this up. First thing is you have to believe that you deserve to get it. How many of us go around every single day chasing something, chasing something, chasing something, but really you haven't had that conversation with yourself of owning the fact that you deserve it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what comes to mind when you when I even say I deserve something, and I, probably a lot of people resonate with this, is this idea that I was taught that that feels selfish. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, as women, I think especially many of us were taught that wanting anything for ourselves or any type of self-care or it was selfish because we're We've got this maternal thing where women, our yeah. our purpose in life is to take care of other people. So me deserving something, I kind of, that makes me feel kind of scared thinking about it. And I just mm-hmm. noticed that feeling when you said that, which is so sad. It is sad because we feel we're unworthy. Yeah. And where does that come from? Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, you're right. We have been trained, especially as women, you know, especially as females, we were trained to be the, the caretakers and think about everybody else and put our own needs last. And... It feels, it does feel selfish to say, I deserve this, you know, or we, or worse, we feel entitled, you know, oh, I don't want to use that word, you know, Um, but we should feel like we deserve things. And if you're out there chasing something that you don't think you deserve, you will never get it. Mm. And we put a lot of pressure on other people to where we expect them to say we deserve it. But we haven't done that ourselves. You know, we have to, we have to inherently believe if you have to tell yourself every morning until you actually start to believe it, I deserve to whatever it is. I deserve to be in um, a relationship that fulfills me daily. I deserve this promotion at work or I deserve this lifestyle or this person or, or whatever it is, this achievement. I deserve it. And it feels Kind of like the more you say it, it kind of starts to feel good. Versus. Yeah. yeah. We have to really unwind that conditioning. We were talking last week about this uh, trust in yourself idea, which um, if you haven't listened to it, uh, you know, it'd be great to listen to what Meg said about that last week. You know, when you develop a trust in yourself that you can do hard things and you start to believe in yourself and you hear your own voice, then it becomes a lot easier for me to say things like, I deserve this or I have a right to be here. So my story, mm-hmm. like I had, I still struggle with this all the time. Like I don't 
I'm not good enough to do a podcast. I wasn't, I'm not good enough to write a book. I had all kinds of voices Mm -hmm. telling me not to do those things. Right. Um, And somehow I pushed through and did them anyway, but it's not, it's not without fear. Mm -hmm. So we don't do those things without fear. You don't, you know, we don't, you don't do a podcast without being scared of what people will think or put a book out there, but you do it anyway. And that's what courage is, I think, is doing something, even though you're scared. Right. So it doesn't mean it's easy. The fear doesn't go away. You just, um, kind of lasso it in and you have a hold uh, Mm. in control of the fear. The fear is never going to go away. And that's okay because fear is not a bad thing. You know, you should, um, we've been trained to, like you said last week, fear, fear, dread is, is real y'all. And, um, no, it's, I think another word, if, if you're not feeling comfortable saying, um, I deserve this, then I'm worthy of this is another way to, if that makes you, you know, if that resonates with you a little bit more, I'm worthy of this. And you know, yeah. you are, you're worthy of getting what you want. Yeah. It's, I, this is, that's such an interesting idea. Cause I, um, I, no matter what your uh, spiritual religious background is, what I found is like many of us have this like deeply ingrained idea that humans are beautiful and we love other people. And maybe we have a God or, um, higher power that enhances that belief, but we don't apply that to ourselves. So Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll regularly say, you know, that, oh my gosh, God gave you this gift to sing. You must sing or, or like your gift, you're, you know, you got to step into this power that our higher source gave you. And we're great at saying that to other people, but we don't sing that song to ourselves very much. We don't. Why, where's the block there? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you sat down with your best friend and they wanted something that maybe even was outrageous, you'd be like, yes, yes, girl, you deserve this. You Mm -hmm. can get this and you believe in them the whole way. And then if you flip the switch when it's about you, you're like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. So So that's a challenge, actually, I'll just throw out there. So if you have that kind of spiritual belief, because I meet people all the time who do, and I kind of do too, where um, I I, you know, I kind of have this belief that I was given something like this true genius that I, it's my mm, obligation almost. I don't know if I like that word, but it's um, my obligation to explore that to its its greatest limits because that's Mm -hmm. what I was given. And not doing that would sort of be disrespectful to whoever created me. And, Mm -hmm. you know. Or even to yourself. I don't even know who that is because I'm sort of neutral in that territory, but I respect everybody's ideas. But I do that to other people. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, in as much as I was given a gift to do whatever it is that's my true genius, I really need to do that mm-hmm. to, to fully, um, you know, participate in this life that was given to me. But we, yeah, we kind of don't do that. So mm-hmm. treat yourself like you would treat your best friend. I think right. that's a really good piece of advice. And I'll, I'll challenge you, too, just to even say whatever it is that you want, I deserve this. And talk to yourself, say it out loud in the mirror, write it down. I love writing things down. Uh, It just makes it more real saying it out loud versus just in your head. It does make it more real. So I deserve to get this, you know, or to have this or to feel this, to experience this. Um, And just trusting that. And the second part of getting what you want is believing it exists. And this is a big one that um, probably the biggest pain point for, for people who I, who work with coaching um, and I'll just use a very common example. Women who are maybe seeking a relationship or, um, you know, intimate experience with a person or whatever it is, 
But then the way they talk to themselves doesn't really reflect the fact that they actually think it exists. I want to have, I want to be married and um, live with a person who is X, Y, and Z, you know. But then they're walking around, oh, there's no good guys out there. Or this doesn't happen to me. Or, like, I'm not going to, I don't, that kind of person isn't going to be attracted to me. Okay, so what you're telling me is what you want doesn't exist. You believe that. Mm. So if you don't believe in what you are about to chase or want actually exist, don't do it. <laughs> That's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's just math. That's basic math. That's math. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not good at math, but I can do that math. But I mean, it's kind of funny. Are you chasing something that you don't think exists? And if it does exist, then maybe you should start talking to yourself like it does exist and you're going to find it. Mm. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. Oh, me too. too. Gosh, and like just you saying that, I can think of a hundred ways I do that all the time. But that goes mm-hmm. back to what we were talking about last week, that we we really get to choose the voices that we listen to and the ones that we incorporate as our own. And so, yeah, I mean, we there's all these things we could pay attention to. So we do in some extent, or I, I mean, in my mind, and really every extent, dictate the course of our lives by what we believe. And that might sound like witchcraft, but I mean, I really think it's true. Mm-hmm. Like you, you choose where to put your attention and what you believe in, and that's going to like draw the energy in mm-hmm. that direction. So, you know, so if you're thinking about getting into a coaching relationship, you want something to change, right? So, so say you're going to engage with Meg, like what is it that you want? So we're just regrouping and we've talked about a few things we've got to like Know that you deserve it, Meg said, and then believe that you can achieve it. Mm-hmm. That's so important. It's so important. And and for the people who out out there who, you know, the the energy is a little too much or it's too frou frou or witchcrafty, um, there actually is a scientific term for it. It's called the compound effect. You know, your um, energy flows where your attention goes, kind of thing. Um, take car shopping, and I'll just use like. Um, Audi Q5s because me and Susan drive the same car. But um, and half the time after Soul Cycle, I walk to your car. But anyway, so if you see me trying to break into your car, that's why. <laughs> I just got an e-tron, so it won't oh, work anymore. Okay, so yeah, I, I went all electric, but we'll talk about that. Oh, later. okay. Yeah, I know it's really nice. Yeah, but so let's say you're wanting a new car and you're you've got your mindset on this Q5. All of a sudden, you start seeing Q5s everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, oh my gosh, there's one over there. There's one over there. Wow, I can't believe that um, I've seen these cars all the time now. Well, in reality, they were always there, but now you're looking for them. So if you are someone out there who um, is looking for a relationship, but you have decided, no, there's no good guys out there, you're going to find that. But if you start saying, shifting your focus and your energy, um, to, wow, there's like a lot of good guys out there. You're going to start seeing them more. They were always there, but now you just have awareness of it. Yeah, you know? that's so true. I mean, everything's there. Mm-hmm. We we only are aware of just these small little lens that we look through, and we can choose somewhat the lens that we look through. So I think that's so true. Like, and it's, it, it's an intentional practice. Like, it's not going to happen by itself. Mm-hmm. And I think we just really have to tune into listening to those voices. And if you are like most of us, we have this negativity bias. We talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. It's a survival mechanism. So we, it's, it's, don't beat yourself up if you're, you know, if your thought processes are 
lending to the negative. That's part of being human. But we can have awareness of that and turn it around. So, yeah, we might say, oh, there's no good guys out there. It's going to fail. This isn't going to work because we're trying to protect ourselves. So Mm -hmm. be kind to yourself. But you can switch that around and start singing yourself a different song, which is something one of my my, uh, women that I interviewed for my book said that you've got to sing a different song to yourself. Mm -hmm. Sing yourself a different song. And then that will change your life, just repeating those things over and over again. Like we talked about last week, like that, I got this. I can do this. I can do hard things. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes becomes the course of your life. I mean, I'm not joking. This is what happened to me. It's what it's happened to so many people that I know. It actually works. It does. It really does. And um, whenever you kind of shift your mindset like that, just know you're going to end up with more questions than answers at first, and that's fine. That's, that's for sure. Totally fine. That's that's normal. But because um, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to find um, like if we're sticking on the same example, I'm going to find a, a really good guy. And someone's like, and we feel silly not having answers or anything to back that up when we say it to a friends or even to ourselves. I'm going to find a really good guy. And either yourself or somebody else says, okay, great. Where? Obviously, you're going to be like, well, I don't know. And you have to be okay with the I don't know. But you trust. Going back to our trust, our favorite word. Um, you trust that it's going to happen, you know, because mm-hmm. you, this is how you get what you want. You know, I deserve to get it and I believe it's out there. So then we have like one final thing that we have to do. You have to decide to get it. Mm-hmm. It is a fact. I am going to get what I want. And if you have not decided that you are going to get it, then don't do it. Because naysayers will come left and right. And the closer you get to actually getting it, the more they come. That's just kind of how it is. But um, you have to decide. It is a fact. It is written in stone. It is non-debatable. I'm going to get it. Yeah. And it, then. Oh, and that's, oh, my gosh. The naysayer thing is so interesting. So, you know, once we've made a decision to get what we want, Yes, it's not going to be easy. And like Mike said, there's going to be a lot of doubt that comes up from your own voice and then from people around you. Uh, because you got to remember a lot of people, most people are not living in a space where they feel comfortable saying things like, I deserve this. And so they're going to find that very scary. So this is a scary, you know, you're getting outside your comfort zone. And unless you're really living with intention and committed to this mm-hmm. plan, you're going to be dragged off course by other people who don't right. want, they don't necessarily want you to succeed. And I know that sounds, I mean, they mean well, like they're, these are people that you love even perhaps, but in a certain way, some people don't want you to get outside your comfort zone because mm-hmm. you're going to change. You're going to be different. You might leave right. them. You might. And that's on them. That's not on you. That's not, that's all about them. That's nothing to do yeah, with you. Yeah. You can't, you can't take that on too. Right. <laughs> Let's just worry about you right now. Yeah, that's you know? right. We and don't... that's another thing, even as women, it's like, man, you, we just feel like we have to take on other people's emotions oh, and yeah. their Why baggage. Not? It's like, no, nope, I got my own. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So if you're doing this project, if this getting what you want project, yeah, just be aware that that's going to happen. And, um, mm-hmm. that is not, that's all about them and nothing about you. And, you know, be compassionate to them if they haven't reached the level of self-awareness that you have for going for this thing that you want. But right. yeah, you've got to be able to just walk through that that noise. Right. And that's a, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's the perfect word for it because it's literally noise. Mm-hmm. It's a distraction. It is. It's it's noise. It's yeah. just there. But 
um, yeah, you know. Yeah, pe- people, people will want you to stay in your box. Yeah, because it makes them more comfortable and right. things don't have to change for them, you know? So, you know, just ask yourself, hey, do I believe I deserve this? Am I actually acting like I think it exists? And then I'm deciding that I'm going to get it. And those three things are just so imperative before you take one step further. And then this kind of, I know you're going to love to talk about this, Dr. Susan, but the the caveat at the end. Um, well, okay, you know, I did all these things. I I thought I'm, I'm worthy and I think it exists and I decided I'm going to get it and I still didn't get it. What happened? I did everything right. Well, this is where the win-win comes in. That's fine. Where you have to be open to something better. I'm going to get what I want or something better. And yes, it can be seen as overly optimistic or um, naive, we'll call it. But at the same time, you're just allowing room for yourself to grow and change your mind. Because we can change our minds at any time. It's never too late to change your mind. Hey, guess what? Like, I don't want this anymore. You know, I've outgrown this and I ended up with something better. Yeah. And that I never so saw, you know, coming when I first made out, made this decision um, to to get what I want, you know? Yeah. I, I, so I talk a lot about commitments. Like in the coaching that I do um, is based on the uh, 15 commitments of conscious leadership. So they were commitment comes up a lot in my coaching, which is a little bit different than Meg's, but very similar. Uh, sometimes you commit to something. But you you still have a right to renegotiate it. I mean, I'm, if I commit to something, I can change my mind. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm committed to it for life when it stops working. So maybe maybe you made a plan to do something and then you grew and it's not right anymore. So I like the idea of renegotiating it. It's not giving it up and just being like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to just drink wine and watch Netflix. It's like, no, I'm renegotiating this agreement. So I couldn't what I said before wasn't going to work, so I'm going to renegotiate it. Like mm-hmm. when I said I was going to do 75 soul cycles in 75 days, well, I'm training for another event right now, so I renegotiated it. And right, I did, The terms have changed. <laughs> yes, I, I just decided to cut it short at 60 days, and that wasn't a failure. It was just a renegotiation because something changed. I didn't know I was going to do this race, and so mm-hmm. that's a very silly example, but it, it, it's also— That's a, a clear one. Yeah, it's just, okay, you can make a plan. We do this a lot on January 1st, right? Mm -hmm. And I think New Year's resolutions pretty much universally fail because we commit to something permanently and then we fail one time and it's just, oh, it's over. Um, Maybe we commit to giving giving up alcohol for 60 days like I did. And then after a week, I changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It was a a rough start to the year. I don't think anybody would blame you. (laughs) And I honestly, I didn't see it as a failure. I renegotiated, well, I'm going to drink less alcohol. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, we always can change. But I, I like the idea of intentionally renegotiating the commitment right. instead of just feeling like, oh, it didn't work. So There's just- no copy and paste as you evolve to different versions of yourself. What is going to work for you in the future maybe isn't what you set up for yourself right now. Yeah. So you have to be open to the something better, you know. And, and by doing that, um, it shifts your energy too. Let's say you end up and you don't, you don't get what you want and you're not open to anything else. So you're mad. And now your energy goes to, I'm mad. I'm disappointed. I I, failed. I failed. Yeah. Yeah, You're ashamed or whatever it is, but you're filled with all these feelings that definitely aren't going to help you 
get something better, <laughs> you know, because you're consumed with all these negative feelings. And, but if something didn't work out the way um, you thought, you're saying, okay, that must mean something better is coming and you're open to it, you know, and that's the power of expectation, Yeah. but um, yeah, you're, you're open that. to it. And um, that's where, like, you're only going to get it if you're open to it. You know, I, I have this thing called the hug theory. It's about the power of expectation. It's if you walk around, like, let's say you want, you want a hug or something like that. You want a hug. So you're walking around with your arms crossed. And then when somebody comes to hug you, let's say it comes up and you didn't see it coming, you're, it's kind of awkward, right? Because you're closed off. You don't want anyone to know that you're walking around wanting a hug, right? Because it's embarrassing. I don't want anyone to know I'm walking around looking like a fool with my arms open. There's nobody in sight. But if you walk around with your arms open, the second someone comes in, even someone who walks around the corner, you didn't see him, didn't see him coming, boom, gives you a hug and your arms are already open. You're like, you can embrace them and it's actually a really nice hug, you know? Sounds kind of silly, but the point is there. You have to be open to it in order to receive it. Yeah, and that's such a great, I mean, everything I talk about, so this is, you know, sexually woke podcast where, you know, I started this whole idea with our intimate relationships in mind, but in that sphere as well, and this is, goes back to the hug too, if we're not open to possibility that things can happen, they're not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And and there's something just beautiful about being open. And it goes back to what we were talking about last week about living in a space of curiosity mm -hmm. instead of being right, like which is was a huge leap for me because I'm a surgeon and I lived in the being right world my whole life. But being open to curiosity is just being open to the possibility that things could be different or things that could be more, it could be different mm -hmm. and not being so fixed on this one thing. And, you know, when we're talking about, so we're talking today about getting what you want, there's so much value in being open to possibility and the idea that what you think you want might not even be the best thing for mm -hmm. you. And I think, and I love that you're using the word possibility because that should be what drives our decisions, right? And our, our forward motion. We don't, most of the time, we don't make decisions, choices, um, big moves based on possibility. We have been trained. And I know I keep saying that a lot, but we, this is, we are untraining our brains. We are learning about ourselves to discover yourself. You have to untrain what you've been taught about yourself from somebody else. So we are untraining ourselves, but we have been trained to live by capability. I'm only capable of doing this or that. You know, I'm in this situation and we've only been able to do this in the past. So I'm making my decisions based on my capabilities, which is everything you know up until this point. So you're living in the past. But, and if you want to repeat the past, then stay there. Sure. If that's working for you, perfect. Um, but if you're here to change, then you can't grasp onto the past like that with both hands. You have to be open to the future, which is possibility. So just start making your decisions based on possibility instead of capability mm. and just see where that takes you. Yeah, that's so, I mean, that sounds so true because when I think about capability, it, it is all historic. Like I can say, well, I know historically I've been capable of doing mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. So therefore that's all I can do. Right. But um, we don't, we're, we all live in a world where we're 
using, I don't know what percent, but not 100. Maybe it's 50% of what our possible future self could be. And so mm -hmm. just stepping into that, like it's so rich and alive and it just makes life so much more juicy. So, right. So I want to go back to your bullet points because they're so good. Sure. So we're talking about how to get what you want. And so I'm just re remembering what Meg said. She said, okay, you got to know, know you deserve it. Believe you can achieve it. Decide that you will get it. And then trust that you'll get what you want, but be open to something better. And that's such a great list. Um, and then what else? Like, what are the what are the hard parts? Like you talk about pain points sometimes. Yes. Um, I think it's just, you know, we get caught up in the chase, 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 chase game. And then eventually you're just, you're realizing, am I even chasing this for me? You know, I mean, that's, you know, we've, we've talked before, you know, with us both being divorced, I chased something that I didn't really want. And I just, I didn't know where it was coming from, you know? And you, we see where that ended up, you know, nowhere good. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up in a bad place for a long time um, before I, you know, got myself out of it. But, you know, we, we just chase things and we don't have intention behind it. We don't set our intentions behind it because it's just, it's easier. It's easier just to coast. I don't have to think about this. This has been written for me. This is the way things are done. This is what the societal norm is. I'm just going to do this, you know? And I mean, talk to me about that, Dr. Susan. I'd be very curious. How do you feel about that when it comes to like being sexually woke? What do you think? Do people get just stuck in, well, we've been married for this long. This is just the kind of the way things are. Is oh, that, yeah. Yeah, you, for sure. I mean, so the, you know, the secrets of the sexually woke were all in what we're talking about. So mm -hmm. they're not, they're, I applied them in terms of sexuality, but it really applies to your whole life. Um, the first one was being open to possibility. Mm -hmm. like women who were in that sexually woke group had this idea of openness to possibility and didn't feel stuck in the same, doing the same things over and over again, or stuck in ideas, limiting beliefs about, oh, if you've a certain age, like once you reach age 40, then that means that you're not sexy anymore. Or mm -hmm. once you've been, if you've been married for, 20 years, then sex is boring or whatever, whatever story it is that you're telling yourself, just letting go of that. So mm -hmm. absolutely it super applied. Apply, this all applies to the sexually woke idea. The second secret was knowing yourself first, which is exactly all what we're talking mm -hmm. about. And then the third one was living life with intention, which is exactly what we're talking yeah. about too. So it turns out that can make you have a better sex life. <laughs> That's the world I was coming from. But, um, does yeah. apply in daily it applies living. In every, every, every sphere of life that book could have been about anything. Mm -hmm. And those are the three secrets to just life. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 34, so I'm kind of in that age bracket of friends who are either wanting to get married, wanting some type of relationship or wanting to have kids. And there's in all three of those things, there's a lot of shoulds and there's a lot of just this is the next step. This is what I should do. This is what I should do. I'm 30. I should be married by now. Or I'm 32. I should start having kids now. And just back it up. Yeah. Do you want it? Identify yeah. the intention for what you want. You know? Yeah. So you did something in your life. Um, we've done lots of things in your life. But this um, going after what you want. And so mm -hmm. Meg's like a living example of how this works, right? So talk about 
if you want to, yeah. talk to us about how that happened, where how you got to be uh, the owner of this new consulting mm -hmm. company, Phoenix 8 Consulting, and doing your coaching thing. Yes. Uh, that's a really good example, I think, of just doing all the things that we're talking about. Right. So, you know, you got to walk the walk. Right. right. Oh, yes. And um, by living example, it means failure after failure. <laughs> until <laughs> right. So, you know, <laughs> and, and that's okay. Um, I've come to terms with that. Failure is my best friend, and it's okay. Yeah. But, you know, it's so funny because uh, Phoenix 8 Consulting is Anagram-based coaching and consulting. We work, um, we work with it, businesses and small businesses, entrepreneurs, anyone from, I have an idea to, I want to develop an app, you know, and, or I want to uh, expand my business nationally and then, you know, work on the one-on-one -on -one coaching too, just generalized life coaching, but it's all Enneagram based, which is the personality test that's rooted in awareness and, and growth. So you're not, you know, pinned down to your, you know, personality type and you're stuck there forever. No, it's, let's learn about ourselves. But, um, it's so funny because I started this, this came from an idea. Everything always stems from an idea as, you know, an entrepreneurial mind, but it's, everything starts with an idea and it doesn't have to be a business idea, but you have an idea for something. It starts as an idea. And for a long time, my idea that I had is I, it was a, it started as a fitness networking company. It was networking mm -hmm. for fitness professionals in Houston. That was the original intention of it. Right. And I was so stuck on it being that I wasn't open to anything better, you know, and I tried really hard to force that into existence and really, it was like the universe being like, um, can we loosen the grip a little? We've got bigger plans for you, <laughs> you yeah, know? That's such a great example. Oh, my yeah. gosh. But I, I didn't think I deserved it. Um, you know, consulting kind of naturally just came to me because I had been in the industry for so long. And it started with fitness. And I started doing branding. And then branding for fitness professionals was the same for, let's just say, like, um, any entrepreneur, Right. And so I started opening up to the possibility of something better that I had been trying so hard to force this little fitness networking idea. And um, you, I, I kind of still went in circles because I was like a, a new consultant and I didn't think I deserved it because yeah. who's going to listen to me? I've never done this before. You know, I'm um, coaching a lot of people who are a lot older than me or have a lot more experience than me or who am I, you know? And I didn't yeah. think I deserved it. I, th I think many of us have had those imposter syndrome moments. Oh, I have yes. those. I mean, even as a surgeon, sometimes I'm like, I, I, do people think I know what I'm doing? And I, yeah. I do, but it's like, sometimes I like, I'm like, who am I? Like what happened? I'm here <laughs> being a surgeon or writing a book or doing a podcast. And like, I think I, there was a, I can't remember who it was at the moment. Um, a woman who was talking about her story about rising to a very high place in the corporate real estate world. And she would go into these meetings that were dominated by men. And she was a small, petite, blonde woman. And she would recite a mantra to herself and just say, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be mm -hmm. here. And so she could go to the table and not feel intimidated by these men who yeah. were really trying to make her feel intimidated. And so that, I, I think I heard that probably 20 years ago. And I think I've Stuck with you, yeah. Many, many times, like I will say, I I deserve to be here. Like, mm -hmm. if anyone can do this, it's I can do it. Right. right? People can have a coaching company. People can write a book. 
or have a podcast. So right. why not me? Exactly. And it's so funny because you shift that mentality and that's, that's really it. The second I shifted my mentality, I said, you know what? I do deserve this. And I let go of this networking for fitness professional. Like that was it only. And I said, you know what? A consulting company based off of the Enneagram, which I was super passionate about and have been for years. I was taking all my passions and kind of mixing them up into like a little ball and came up with Phoenix eight. And I was open to it existing. You know, I had never been open to a consulting company for big businesses, you know, paid me a lot of money because I didn't think I deserved it because I had imposter syndrome, you know, and we're in a world now where we're strapped by comparison because it's in our face 24 seven, you mm-hmm. know, and we cannot live in that world because it's so easy to get sucked in to somebody else's. We have no idea what step they're on or how long they've been doing it, but we automatically compare our, what I like to call behind the scenes to everybody else's highlight reel. But, you know, honestly, in the second I was open to being deserving of an idea that I now believed existed, I was all in. And that's what you have to do. You have to be all in. I said, I will do this. You know, I am deciding I'm going to do this. And of course, you always have to be continuously opening, uh, open to something better. And it just keeps growing and growing. And I am just shocked about the things that are coming into my life and opportunities um, even, you know, being here with you today, it's amazing that I never saw coming. And it, had I been so tunnel visioned on my original idea, the one that I thought I was worthy of, cause it was much smaller than, you know, it's what I thought I deserved just being small potatoes, you know? Um, I wouldn't have it. Ex- you miss so much, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's, a, I just, I have just recently, so Mike's a lot younger than me, just saying. I wish I had been that wise when I was in my 30s. But, um, yeah, I just – this just happened to me maybe in the last 10 years that I realized that I was living in a world of limiting beliefs and that if I could let go of those, that there was just a much vaster world that I could live in. So if there's anything we could maybe just suggest is just to let go of those things. And so – so you've heard my talking. So and Enneagram, I absolutely love this too. I, I I did my coaching through Conscious Leadership Group and it was very Enneagram based as well. So if you start looking this up, um, it, there are nine Enneagram types. And so I have a lot of people, some of my friends who they're like, I don't want to be put in a box. Don't give mm-hmm. me a number. That's like boxing me in. I'm much bigger than just an eight, which I am. Or what do you say to people who just feel like this is putting you in a box to be mm-hmm. typed and... Um, I mean, I can understand that. Um, my particular view on the Enneagram is I, I like to look at the whole pie chart and the percentages because I don't like to use just the top number. But um, it's really just goes down to, you know, I'm not going to say um, I'm a seven, which, well, I am a seven, but just because I'm a seven, I'm not going to, you know, say I, I do everything. That's not all that you are. No, it's yeah. not all that you are. But it just stems from a place of core values, beliefs, and fears. And that's just like the little starting point is maybe who you are, mm-hmm. you know, like let's explore this a little more. And, and people, um, people who most of the time say, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be this. They, 
they are the most that. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they're like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be this. But then, hey, wait, let's. This is not a bad thing, you know. We're not perfect. I can be. I can accept the fact that um, as a seven, I don't want to live in you know painful situations. So I exit strategy the fast out of out of there, so I don't have to sit in painful emotions. You know, that's something for sevens. But I'm like, yeah, you know what? If you are ready for self discovery. You can't just discover all the good parts. You know, there's some things that we need to work on down in there. And you have to face them and use them for growth. No one's saying, you know, pointing fingers at you and being like, you do this, you do this, you do this. This is bad. It's no, it's why do we think this? Yeah. And And it's so helpful. I mean, I can't even tell you. I learned about the Enneagram just uh, in the past five or six years. Mm-hmm, and same. I use it in my coaching too. And I've done all kinds, I mean, every other kind of personality test before that. But this one is really special because it does have a spiritual side. It's not just based on organizational psychology. Mm-hmm. It's actually uh, very, very old. Anyway, you can look it up. It uh, comes out of ancient Christian mythology, um, not mythology, um, Christian psychology. Um, so really, really interesting. And even though there's nine types, there's multiple subtypes within them. And so mm-hmm. nobody's putting you in a box. So I found that no. the most useful information to learn about myself. And then now um, learning about other people's Enneagram types. So if you're in a, a close, intimate relationship with mm-hmm. another person or maybe your children oh, yes. or your boss at work, understanding their Enneagram type is so helpful to oh, understand is. how they react to things. Yeah, how, communication. Yeah. It's all about uh, how they communicate because you can mm-hmm. control one half of the communication, which right. is your part, how you just deliver or receive information. But if you're putting something or something out there that isn't being received the way you're trying to deliver it, then it's going to be a mess. Yeah, you know? I, I spent 40 years or more wondering why people didn't see the world I did. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand why they don't see things the way I do. Because my particular type, I think I'm right most of the time, or at least in my less evolved state, that was the case. <laughs> and so I was just really confused all the time about yeah. why people didn't understand me. And so knowing that about myself and then knowing that about them, so helpful. So if you wanted to engage in this type of coaching and um whether it's in a business setting or personal setting, like how would people reach out to you to do this? Because it's so, it's such a great opportunity for growth. It is. It really is. Um, well, you can always send me an email on my website through my website. It's just www.phoenix8consulting.com. And then my Instagram handle is let's create your fate because um, that is the basis of coaching, consulting, the whole, the whole aspect is you do create your own fate. And it's, it's amazing when you take ownership of that, how it actually rolls out. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's such a great place to end it actually. Cause I, that just that, you know, when I learned that I was a hundred percent, hundred percent responsible for my own life, Mm -hmm. And stop blaming things on other people. That doesn't mean that bad things didn't happen and that things didn't work out the way I wanted. But I'm 100% responsible for my life and where I am now. I mean, what an amazing, empowering Mm -hmm. place to live rather than thinking the world's happening to me. Now I think and believe, I know, I don't just think, I know the world's happening for me. Mm -hmm. And that's a place of uh, power. And so, you know, in as much as you can engage in a coaching relationship to get that understanding. I mean, mm-hmm. it's worth, it's, it's just life changing. So that happened mm-hmm. to me. I was coached 
And so by someone like Meg, who probably wasn't half as good, I didn't know her then. <laughs> well, thank just you. <laughs> changed my life. So it really um, does. If you're interested in transformation and changing, then I think coaching such an amazing mm-hmm. door. It's different than psychology. We can talk to you all about that. But it just is about transformation and giving, helping you to find the tools mm-hmm. that you have already. To right. And even just to understand yourself, you know, mm-hmm. um, to make better decisions, to get what you want, to Mm -hmm. identify what it is that you want and why, but just to understand yourself more. And it really is just about self-discovery and it doesn't happen overnight, you Mm -hmm. know, and there's, there's some peeling of some layers that, Hey, they're not all as a Enneagram seven, especially it pains me to say this. It's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's not, it's messy. And, and, you know, when you have a coach, they'll, they'll sit there in the mess with you and then get you go through yeah, it. Yeah, sit in the mess and figure it out. So now you know, thank you, Meg. Now we know how to get what we want. Yes. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? So uh, so thanks so much for being with me again for the second week. We oh might gosh, have to do number you. three. We've got so yes. much to talk about. Oh, my gosh, we could. Um, so uh, check out Meg. She gave you her contact information. I will put it in the notes below. And thank you so much for being with me on Sexually Woke. Thank you so much, Dr. Simpson. So much fun. 